0: Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio.
1: I was recently with a group of friends, believers, and we were just hanging out. And one of the women started sharing part of her story, actually the really hard parts of her story. When she was 14 years old, she was involved in drinking and she was being promiscuous and... She shared with us what she had gone through and we were thanking her for just being so vulnerable about what she had been through and about that part of her story. And she said she doesn't mind telling her story at all because God has redeemed her story. And then she shared how she believes that the hard parts of our story are meant to be shared so that, you know, when we've made it through them, we can help others to get similar, get through similar difficult things. It's an encouraging word for sure, but it wasn't for me. Actually, not at the moment. Let me explain. There's a hardship in my life that I've been going through for years, and this particular day was not a good day. <laughs> so, when she said, you know, God uses the hard things in our lives so that when we're through it, we can help other people about it, you know, what popped into my head was, I don't think I will ever be on the side of my hardship. I mean, I've prayed for it to go away, and it hasn't, and I'm still in the middle of it, and I have been for years. So, what's, what's the good about this? Like, what's the benefit? If I'm not ever going to be able to tell people my story and bless them and help them, what's the point? That's how I felt. And I'm studying Habakkuk right now. And with this small group that I meet with weekly, if you're not familiar with it, let me just give you kind of the skinny on Habakkuk or Habakkuk. How would you say it, Perry?
0: Oh, let's see. Habakkuk. Habakkuk? Habakkuk.
1: Habakkuk, yeah, I mean, it can go either way, tomato, tomato, yeah. tomato right? Either,
0: either one works. Well, here's we, we need a Hebrew scholar.
1: Yeah, here's the story. <laughs> Habakkuk is a prophet, and he's having a conversation with God about the injustice that he sees in the world. And he's struggling to believe that God is still good when there's so much tragedy and evil in the world. and And it seems like the evil is winning. And God responds to Habakkuk by telling him that he, God, is working that there's a grand story that's bigger than the circumstances that Habakkuk wants corrected. And that in the end, evil is defeated and good wins. Mm -hmm. God wins. So Habakkuk's response is this. Even if the fig tree does not bloom and the vines have no grapes, even if the olive tree fails to produce and the fields yield no food, even if the sheep pen is empty and the stalls have no cattle, even then... I will be happy with the Lord. I will truly find joy in God who saves me. The Lord Almighty is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer. He makes me walk on the mountains.
0: I wonder if you don't get to where Habakkuk got unless you have stuff that won't go away. Because when you go through stuff that won't go away and that is hard, you can either get bitter and you can run to stuff Mm -hmm. things to medicate, or you can go to the Lord and find your strength in Him and just keep growing in strength in Him and finding your joy more and more in Him. And I wonder if everything was just smooth sailing through my life, if I would find my resources in the Lord as much as I do now because I've had things that have not gone away. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And in my life, what I do is I hold this tension. I got two things going on simultaneously. One, God's awesome. God can do anything. God can radically transform this circumstance today, Mm -hmm. on today, Mm -hmm. right? He's capable. That Mm -hmm. could happen. Yep. Or I don't ever see the end of this or the other side of this. And I choose like Habakkuk to say, even if, even if, even if this circumstance doesn't ever change, God is going to sustain me and I'm going to be held by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's going to be with me forever. So like, I'm going to be okay. And some days I feel more one than the other, but they, they're both realities that exist.
0: I have a friend, John, who's, who's bipolar and he's, I don't know, he's almost 60 years old and he's struggled with bipolar since he was 20. And it's completely, completely messed up his life. Mm. And especially when he's gone into the manic episodes, he's done some things that just have really messed up his life. But for the last 10 years, he's stayed on his medicine and he hasn't gone into those manic episodes. And so, you know, he's he's just solid right now mm. as far as that goes, but he still has bipolar and he, he has moved from, I wonder if I'm cursed by God and if God hates me to, I know that God loves me. Mm. I know that he's for me. I know that I have bipolar, but God is with me and he's my joy and he's my strength. And every morning I get up and I pray and I praise and I, I, Worship Jesus, and I just experience Him filling me, and He's enough. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing testimony yeah. to me. Yeah, that, that He's suffered all of His life, and we're still believing He'll be healed, mm-hmm. asking God to heal Him. But he, he says, "Man, I don't have a testimony." And I, and I'll say, John, my gosh, you've endured so much through your life, and you've come through it, and you believe that in spite of all the things that have happened, you believe God loves you. Yeah, That is huge. Yep, That is huge. And I'm trying to, I really want to have a conversation with him that we can record mm. because it would help so many people, but yeah. I don't know that's going to happen, but that's what it makes me think of.
1: Yeah. The two things that so jump out at me from this passage that relate to John's story is even if and even then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Habakkuk is like, even if nothing changes.
0: And you know what the Lord has told John? He has said to him, John, I'm going to make it all up to you. And John knows that that's probably mostly going to be in heaven. Going to make it all up to you. It's just, it's such amazing faith. It's Habakkuk faith. And I can see that touches a place in your heart, Shauna.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the, the part where we don't know if we're going to get to experience it here or we're going to get to experience it there it can be really, really hard. Yeah. And I'm grateful for the ways that God has used the hardships of other people's life to allow ministry to take place through their life. I don't know if that's going to happen for me. I just don't know. I don't know if it'll happen for you, but I do know that God is good and that he has promised to stay close, to never leave us and never forsake us no matter what. And I know that even if the hardships never go away, even then we can choose to praise like Habakkuk did. Even then we can say like Habakkuk did, I will be happy with the Lord. I will truly find joy in God.
0: Where do you run when you're afraid? Because where I run when I'm afraid says something about me. Proverbs 18, 10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are kept safe. And the first thing that grabs me here is the name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. In Psalm 34, not Psalm 34, Exodus 34, God passes in front of Moses and and gives his name. He says, I am the Lord the Lord, a God of mercy and grace, endlessly patient, so much love, so deeply true, loyal in love for a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. That's what's in the name of the Lord. I mean, the name of the Lord is his heart. It's, it's who he is. It's everything he is. And God's saying to Moses, I'm a God of mercy and grace. I'm endlessly patient. I have so much love. I'm so deeply true. I'm loyal in love to those who trust me. I forgive iniquity, sin, and rebellion. So the name of the Lord is the tower. Mm -hmm. We run into that, that name. We run inside of the Lord's name, which is a tower. And I love that part of it.
1: And when we run to God, we are safe. We run into the name of the Lord, the strong tower, and we are safe. When you asked the question, I know it was rhetorical, and, but you had just said, you know, what do you run to? And the first thing that came to mind for me is when I, you know, when my circumstances, when I don't feel good, what I run to is whatever is going to make me feel good at the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be a bowl of ice cream. It could be a shopping trip, like a new something Like, I just want to buy something new because that'll make me feel good. And obviously this is ridiculous because each of these is like so temporary and a bowl of ice cream cannot keep me safe. You know, a new shirt is not going to keep me safe. It's just such a ridiculous trade. And yet that is my... My natural knee-jerk reaction to circumstances that are uncomfortable for me. And I know it's not just me. A real good friend of mine who's way smarter than I am has done the research, you know, and, and shared with me that 80% of what we do is to gain pleasure or to avoid pain. 80% of our decisions are made to either gain pleasure or avoid pain. And I can just put myself right in that camp. Like I get it. But when you read this list of who the Lord is, Mm -hmm. you know, full of mercy, God of mercy and grace, endlessly patient, so much love, so deeply true, loyal for a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity. I mean, it's just, it's so obvious when we look to God and who he is and what he offers to us, what a ridiculous trade we make when we settle for anything less than him.
0: I think I know where to run today Yeah. instead of two YouTube videos about Steph Curry's handles. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's one of the things I do. (laughs) I think I know where to run today. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are kept safe. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you need to believe in that nobody else believes in for some reason. Maybe it's because of some kind of failure in their life. No one believes in them. Well, you and I might not even know the name of Jesus today if it weren't for a guy named Barnabas. Paul, filled with hatred, was on his way to throw followers of Jesus in jail. That's when he had his encounter with Jesus, and everything changed. Paul crashed into grace. Three years later, Paul went to Jerusalem for the first time. He tried to meet with the believers, even the leaders, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer.
1: This is totally fair. I mean, this is legit. The way that Paul was treating Christians, I would have been afraid. (laughs) I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying you wouldn't have been?
0: I don't know. I I don't know. I, I tend to love the underdog, but you know, don't have to be in those shoes. I'm not going to sit up here and say I'd be bold and courageous, <laughs> but you I'm know. just
1: saying, I think they had some legitimate reason for yeah. being cautious about sure. Paul at the beginning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There have been imposters in the past and there will be in the future. So then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how he had st- how Paul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Paul and Barnabas was saying, I believe in Paul's story and you should too. I don't know why Barnabas believed in him Mm -hmm. when nobody else did, but there was something in him that just, he knew he could see it. He knew it was real.
1: And because they knew Barnabas and they knew his character and what he stood for and who he was, the fact that he now was vouching for Paul was like, wow. Okay. If Barnabas, is in a hundred percent and I trust and believe Barnabas, then I would feel stretched to include Paul based on Barnabas's word. I would be more inclined to give Paul a shot.
0: For sure. And I mean, if you know, you want a good reference, put Barnabas on it.
1: There you go. (laughs) If
0: you're looking for a job, just put Barnabas on there. Paul went on to reach the known world for Jesus. And because he did the gospel made it to us. Humanly speaking, it was because Barnabas believed in Paul's story. Mm -hmm. I want to be like Barnabas, to come alongside that person that no one believes in. Maybe it's coming alongside someone like Paul. They become a believer, but because of their past, no one really believes it. Maybe it's coming alongside a believer who has failed big time, and no one wants to have anything to do with them. Mm. I don't know if you remember a guy named Jim Baker, but he was a TV evangelist way back in the day. And he was, you know, probably one of the most watched on TV and well-known. He and his wife, Tammy Faye, but they lost it all because of moral failure and ended up in prison for the misuse of millions of ministry donations, no small thing. And Jim Baker wrote just a few years back, At my lowest moment, Billy Graham walked into my prison, threw his arms around me, and said, Jim, I love you. Mm -hmm. Jim Baker says, the day before, I had heard that Billy had been voted one of the top three most respected men in the world, and now he was in my prison comforting me. Wow. The week I was released from prison, I was sitting in the Graham home having dinner. Wow. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's a real-life example of just... I really feel like, you know, we know that God is the God of second chances, right? That he, he redeems and he restores and he brings life where there was death and there isn't anything that he can't do. And when we are ambassadors of his and we represent that as well, that same belief of like, I believe that God can do anything through your life. And, and I believe that he still has a plan and a purpose for you when you've blown it big time. We're just extending the love of Christ.
0: hmm I think of there was this big time church out on the West Coast, Mars Hill, and Mark Driscoll was the pastor. And there was just some uh, over strong leadership, I guess. I don't know the whole story. Maybe some abusive leadership. I don't know the story. You know, I don't know what happened. I don't think there were any sexual moral failures and all of that.
1: It was a misuse of stewardship. I mean, it wasn't finances like the Baker's but it was a misuse of what they had been given. This is the best of my understanding.
0: Yeah. And I think Mark Driscoll was a really overbearing, you know, strong fisted leader. So yeah, there's some serious things there. And that church, I think imploded. Uh, But so there's this podcast called the rise and fall of Mars Hill. So contrast that with Barnabas, you know, we've got a podcast that's, essentially telling the story of the rise and fall of this church and you know just continually throwing things under the bus i guess in the name of let's learn from this i don't know what the motives are but who's come alongside mark driscoll does anybody believe in him has anybody said hey man hey bro you, you i love you you know yeah, that kind have of a have thing? dinner
1: at my house yeah right 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 <laughs> yeah
0: my friend russ went through a divorce he didn't want and he had to resign his church And he didn't even get a postcard from any of his pastor friends saying, I'm praying for you. Wow. I'm so sorry. And it wasn't even his his fault. He didn't want it. I mean, Mm. there's always two sides, right? Right. But, you know, the point is, where are the Barnabases? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can do better. I certainly can do better. I want to be the guy who comes alongside the one no one else believes in.
1: I want to share with you one of my favorite verses. I know I say this all the time, but this is really one of my favorites where the Lord just kind of met me and spoke a truth to me through this verse that has, I just experienced it. So I don't know how else to tell you. Anyway, it's Acts two twenty-eight, and it is a quote from Psalm 16, but it's this, you have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. This so describes my own journey of walking with the Lord, that he has made known to me the paths of life. Literally over the weekend I had a situation where I I needed wisdom. It was a difficult circumstance. I didn't know what to do. I reached out to my counselor on a Saturday, you know, just to even see if if we could connect briefly and
0: And we had a really good talk. <laughs>
1: You were great, Perry. Thank you for all the wisdom. Now you, you actually, we laugh about that, but you frequently speak wisdom into my life. So it's not actually that far from the truth.
0: Yeah. And frequently speak other things that aren't so wise.
1: <laughs> but on Saturday, I did not call Perry. Don't agree
0: with that, Ben. <laughs> I He's didn't nodding. say anything. I saw the nod of your head.
1: But on Saturday, I just, it was a circumstance that I just didn't, I didn't know how to handle on my own and I needed some, I needed wisdom, you know, I needed to know what to do. And I was like, Lord, I just, I just need you to show me what to do and to walk me through this situation. And I felt in such a very real way that the counselor counseled me through the day and just gave me exactly what I needed. For the moment, this is what I want you to say, this is what I want you to do. So you have made known to me the paths of life. He was leading me literally into life hmm. through a difficult moment. And then you fill me with joy in your presence. Now this is the crazy part. It was a hard day, and it was they were hard moments. But there was simultaneously, in the midst of the struggle and the hardness, there was joy because God was with me in it. And I so sensed him leading me moment by moment, sentence by sentence. I was like, God is right here just giving me what I need and helping me and giving me words. And And there was a joy in that, not in the circumstance. The circumstance was hard, but there was a joy in knowing that God was so with me and so leading me.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Last Thursday, you know, just really hard day, long day. Get a text from a friend who really needed help, like right now. Like, I need help yesterday kind of right. a thing. And, you know, I I went and prayed for him and just God filled my heart with joy. I felt joy. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I've never felt joy like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever will until heaven. Wow. But it was just, it was warm. It was a warmth in my chest. It was a real feeling. I know we don't go on our feelings, but sometimes we feel God's presence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was a a feeling of of warmth and of joy. And it was like God's giddy, just extravagant, hopping up and down, skipping on a jump rope joy. Wow. Yeah.
1: I love that. I never
0: felt that. And and it was in the midst of not good circumstances, Mm -hmm. but it just, for the first time in my life, I had this really focused experience of joy that, just completely defies circumstance,
1: and the Word of God tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah, so you can be in the middle of really, really crappy circumstances. Yeah, call on the name of God, feel and experience His presence. He gives you wisdom, He gives you joy, gives you Himself.
0: And it wasn't it was for me, but it was what I believe God was feeling for that person, and I told that person. Mm-hmm.
1: Our God, our God that we love and serve and have committed our lives to, He is holy. He is a holy and good God. Yesterday, I got to hear this just short teaching from Streetlights. If you've never checked out Streetlights, it's an app that's totally free, and it's scripture. And it's really, really done in a very, oh modern way. It's kind of an urban style. There's a little bit of music underneath and then the scripture is being read and it's just straight scripture. It's really, really good. I highly recommend it. It's kind of cool. This guy actually came out of, the guy who founded Streetlights came out of Moody Bible Institute and he was working with kids in the streets helping them to get off of, you know, their addictions and out of gangs and whatnot and they were falling in love with jesus and giving their life to jesus but they were really struggling when it came to reading scripture because they had issues with literacy and just some things that made it really hard to read the bible so they came up with this app where they could log in and just audibly listen to scripture being read over their lives in a way that was entertaining to them and and reach their hearts. So super cool. Anyway, check it out. It's called Streetlights, and it's totally free. Yesterday, I was listening to this um, brief teaching by Ray Crespo on the Streetlights app, and he was talking about the holiness of God. God's holiness—you know—the fact that He is holy means that He's other than He's completely different from you and me. He's perfect. There's no wrong in His character, and He in how He thinks and how He acts. He is perfect. His holiness draws a very distinct line between him and us. Us, because of our sin, we're not naturally holy. In our very nature, we love ourselves more than we love God. And we love ourselves more than we love other people. There's examples of, of this all over our lives.
0: The uh, the otherness of God mm-hmm. is, is really does get at holiness. And, and I remember in 2004, our family went to the big island of Hawaii to, let's see, Mauna, Mauna Kea is a, big, uh, is a big mountain on that island. And we drove up to the top of that mountain and we made the drive up and we got to the top when it was twilight and then it was dark. And, and me and Taylor got out of the truck that we were in. And that's when I experienced the otherness, the holiness mm-hmm. of God. I just, in that moment, I felt the terrifying awe of the Mm. God who created the mountains. And it was like, I wanted to run Mm. in fear. It was the otherness of God. He's so far beyond us and he's so huge and he's so mighty and he's so holy and he's so pure. And, and when I tasted maybe just a fragment of that, just for a few moments, it made me want to run.
1: Yeah. There's a weightiness to his glory and to his holiness. And you know, that's, awe striking.
0: Yeah. God is in one sense, God is a buddy in another sense. That's totally not it at all.
1: Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard the song by point of grace? Um, God forbid. I have. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Um, the lyrics in the song, you know, go something like, you know, God forbid that I find it so familiar that I should think of you as less than who you are, that I find you so familiar. So just in the, in the buddy, in the friendship and relationship that we have with God to not lose sight of his holiness and his other than that's it. Yeah. And God's holiness has, has never been and never will be compromised in any way because he didn't earn it. He didn't earn perfection. He's just always been perfect. He's always had it. He's perfect. He's full of right character and right living. He defines what is good and he hates what is evil. And Jesus displayed this when he was walking on earth, the same way that God shows it in heaven. Jesus was the only human being to be holy, never giving into temptation or falling into sin in his entire lifetime. And here's the incredible news about holiness. Listen to this. Just sit down for a minute if you can. God desires to make us holy, just like Jesus is holy, just like the Father is holy, In Hebrews 12, we read that God wants us to be holy again, like he originally intended us to be, and he's working with us to make that happen for us to be holy. The first step is for us to receive Jesus's holiness through forgiveness of our sins. That's called salvation. The second step after being saved is to go through a process of growing in Christlike character and growing by, by God's fatherly discipline and his love. And that is called sanctification. We're all in that process right now. Hebrews twelve ten says, God disciplines us for our good in order that we might share in his holiness.
0: And in that same passage, in that same area, he talks about how that hardship, the hardships we go through and not even the ones we bring on ourselves by our choices, but just stuff that happens in life. He says, those hardships are the discipline of the Lord mm-hmm. because those hardships are what purifies us. Mm-hmm. God uses those hardships and I can speak from personal experience that right now just the hardships in my life are rooting out sins in my heart and they're hardships that are not from my foolish choices they're just stuff that's happening in life but in the in the middle of it all this junk is being revealed mm-hmm. in my heart and it's God's discipline Because he wants me to share in his holiness.
1: Yeah. And we've talked about this recently, but there's a difference between discipline and punishment. And a lot of times we hear the word discipline and we just translate in our own mind punishment. So we, you know, we hear the Lord's discipline and we think the Lord's punishment. Discipline is for the purpose of learning. It's Mm -hmm. It's for teaching. It's for instruction. It's so, you know, you come out better than what you were before. The Lord's discipline is for us to be equipped and taught in his ways.
0: Yeah. Discipline is shooting a hundred threes a day to be a great three point shooter. You got to take time. It takes effort and it makes us better. So that's, that's how everything for me at the end of the day comes back to basketball.
1: Okay. So thanks for the warning.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's not a warning. It's just basketball is life. Basketball is life.
1: (laughs) How's your ball doing? Is your ball full of air? That's what I want to know.
0: Yeah, I've got a basketball that doesn't have air in it yet. But
1: you are you know. not living. If basketball is life <laughs> and your air is, your ball is flat, you are not living, my friend.
0: I, I can look at it. <laughs>
1: Is that living?
0: Anyway, hardship, discipline, (laughs) makes us more like the Lord. That's what we're
1: talking about. And here's the good news for you and me today. We can be encouraged by this verse in Hebrews. You know, God disciplines us for our good in order that we might share in his holiness. Because if God is holy, if God is perfect and God is right in every way, and it's his plan for us to be holy, oh my goodness, because of Christ, we can be encouraged this morning that we too are going to be made holy. God is making us holy.
0: Today you will be with me in paradise. Don't worry. I don't know something about you that's going to happen today. Those are some of the most beautiful words ever. Jesus said that to a criminal just hours before they both died. The word paradise is only used three times in the New Testament, by Jesus on the cross, by John in Revelation, and by Paul in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says he experienced paradise before he died. He writes in second Corinthians 12. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body. I do not know. God knows. Mm-hmm. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things things that no one is permitted to tell. And it just makes me wonder, what did Paul hear? Mm-hmm. He heard inexpressible things, things so beautiful, things so amazing, things so beyond human comprehension, and things that he wasn't permitted to tell. you know. And maybe if he told us, we just wouldn't want to be here for another second. And in Paul's letter to the Philippians, he says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paradise doesn't begin at the final resurrection. It happens when we leave this body. On the Mount of Transfiguration, 40 days before Jesus died, Moses and Elijah, I mean, these guys lived centuries before Jesus. Moses and Elijah were talking with Jesus about what was coming. They were talking with Jesus about the plan of God and all Jesus would have to face in the, days of ha- in the days ahead. They came from paradise to talk with Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They didn't have resurrected bodies, but they were recognizable. Then John says in Revelation, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony of Jesus. They shouted to the Lord and said, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? It's a prayer meeting. They are pleading for the final kingdom to come. They're in paradise Mm -hmm. and they're praying. It's, It's amazing. Then in the last chapters of Revelation, John sees the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven to earth. He sees paradise coming to earth. One day heaven and earth will meet. And if we die before that day, that's where we go to the new Jerusalem, to heaven, to paradise. We're going to a real place, a real place that will bring us back to this real place. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? As
1: it was meant to be.
0: Yeah, we're going to heaven and someday heaven's coming back to earth. And if we die and go to heaven, we're going to come back here. Yes, having resurrected bodies and breathing the oxygen of the new earth is where the story is headed, and that will be the best. Mm-hmm. But before then, paradise waits for those who believe. And paradise, from what I can tell from the, the scripture, is really, 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 really amazing.
1: yeah, too too amazing to be able to put into words you know to be able to capture. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you just wonder like what Paul's experience, who was this person, you know, who was this person that I know a man.
0: Yeah. He's talking about himself.
1: He's talking about himself in that scripture.
0: Yeah. He's talking about himself in the third person mm. and he's doing it for reasons we can't get into right now, but really he doesn't want to boast about his spiritual experiences. Right. So that's part of it. Okay. But yeah, virtually every scholar or student or what have you has said, Paul's talking about himself and his experience. And, and so he, he experienced paradise. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, remember Paul was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell those inexpressible things are going on right now in paradise. And so, I just I want you to be encouraged of the inheritance that waits for us, not just in the new heavens and the new earth, but the moment we take our final breath. And so, you know, my takeaway from all of this is that I don't want to fear breathing my final breath and being planted in the earth when I die, because on that day, I will be with Jesus in paradise. And on your day, you will, too. Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments? Text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.